just rolled through Marion a little over a week ago, and now he makes his second appearance on the Honky Tonk Time Machine. It's always great to be joined by our good friend, Clay Walker. Clay, thanks so much for coming back on. I'm excited to catch back up with you. My friend, William, uh, thank you very much, and uh, it's always good to speak to the fine folks of uh, Cape Girardeau and that whole area. It's just a great country music place, and been been good to me for a lot of years. I think that's because you're good to us. I got a chance to go see you in Owensboro, Kentucky, back in the spring. First time ever seeing a Clay Walker show. You were there with Tracy Lawrence, Randall King, sold out night, and you guys just tore it down. <laughs> and it, it, it's been fun. You know, I've had a great career, and uh, the, you know, the, the fans have just been there from the beginning and stayed. And so all these uh, these opportunities that we get – and especially somewhere like Owensboro, I remember that was sold out and you know, pandemonium, and it was <laughs> everything you could. I remember seeing Tracy after the show, and uh, I was walking out of my dressing room, and he was walking out of his, and we just kind of ran at each other walking out the front door. And, uh, and man, he was full of emotion. You know, he was just like, man, what a what a night, you know. And and you know, there's there's a lot of times we do feel that way. You and Tracy go way back. I know. What what was it like to kind of uh, relight that fire with him and go on tour with him for a few dates over the course of 2022? Well, we had never done a tour together. You know, we had done maybe a show here and there, and uh, we'd always talked about it. And and uh, just it, it 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 was the right timing, and you know, the opportunity offered itself, and. And it was uh, it couldn't be better, you know. Two guys that have, have you know built their their lives and careers, you know, on songs that affected you know people. And uh, you know, he and I both you know love the same heroes and you know look up to the same people. And and you know, there's always been a level of respect there between us, you know, for each other's music. And and uh, I think. The craziest thing was that we were, you know, on stage at the same time, you know, yeah. with the same band playing and singing, and, and it, it just kind of felt like, you know, two heavyweight, you know, champions. You know, I'd play a song, he'd play a song, I'd play one, he'd play. You know, it was just it was these hits that they just layered in there together, you know. And of course, we worked on the set list, you know, the way that we wanted the songs to go, uh, you know, in order. And uh, it was almost like, you know, if you were listening to Pandora, you wanted to have your own playlist. That's the way you'd line it up. <laughs> and it just, it, it worked out great. What was really cool about it was you would sing one of his songs and he'd sing one of your songs. Did, did you enjoy that, jumping in on a Tracy Lawrence song from time to time? Well, I've been singing them my whole life. <laughs> and so he has to, so I think, I think it, uh, you know, what really cracked me up was to hear him jump in on Ben White. <laughs> We did other songs, you know, let me jump in on Fucker Make a Living, you know, stuff like that. But when he got in on Ben White, it was, it really cracked me up. Because I, I never pictured Tracy's voice on that song, and it just, and it was so good. It was so good. And and we, you know, we, we had so much fun about it, you know, and our, our, our banter on stage, um, you know, was, I guess, just very fun. You know, we, we crack each other up. You know, he gives me the needle a lot. You know, I, I don't do it as much to him, and I don't know why, but uh, maybe it's because he's older. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Only about two years. I'm just teasing him. <laughs> but that's just, that's just kind of the way we, 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 we go back and forth. But I, he's, it's really been fun, man. I, I, I 
yeah, I love him like a brother and uh, do anything for him. If I remember right on that song, he was throwing in the Yamans as, as much as possible. <laughs> well, on the kick you in the butt, he 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 took his boot and kicked me in the yep, butt. Yep. <laughs> so I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, all right, he'll take it to the next level here. You know, here we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's great to see you know guys that that uh, you know that that have lived most of our lives recording songs that have been pretty serious, you know, have some fun on stage. And, and, uh, you know, he's all boy. And like me, you know, he like he likes to golf when we're on the road. There's nothing else to do. You know, we don't bowl. You know? So <laughs> go in and play a little golf every now and then. But the coolest thing I, I, I think that I've enjoyed about us touring together is, is, is after the show, you know, getting on the bus and having a couple of adult beverages and listening to music or singing. Like we'll, We'll literally sing till daylight, you know, get the get the guitars out and and uh, you know that's how much we love singing, that's how much we love music, and uh, we'll we'll just play all these old hits. We'll play stuff by Haggard or or George Strait or Joe Diffie, and we'll just say, we're like human jukeboxes, you know, just sit there and just do one song after another together, sing them together, you know. I'd love to be a fly on a wall for that, not just to hear the music, but for some of the banter. Between you guys, uh, since you brought up Then What, I forgot to ask you last time we talked, so I wanted to make it a point to ask you about it this time. It came out in 1998, which is around about the time country music started featuring reggae sounds for the first time. A lot of beach music. I mean, that's when Kenny Chesney's career kind of turned and took off. Do you feel like you kind of set a trend with that song? Because over the next five, ten years, we started hearing a lot more of it. We still hear a lot of that today. Well, not to brag, but I think then what is what took it that way. Okay, you know, it was um, we were pretty hot at that moment, and and you know the original demo of the song was more was just like a folk song, and and I wanted to do it like Jimmy Buffett, you know. And so I talked to James about it. I wanted to put a steel drum on there, and he goes, "Clay he goes, there's no steel drums in country music." I said, "Man, well, let's do it." <laughs> he was like crazy. He goes, you know, everybody knows you're a cowboy. I said, cowboys like to have fun too, James. I said, we can, <laughs> we can have some fun. And what was, you know, one of the one of the things that, uh, and, and I don't think Kenny will mind me saying this because he said it in an interview, but but Kenny Chesney was out on tour with us, you know, he and he was he was watching us in the live show, you know, doing then what and having the beach balls kicked out and all that stuff, and and you know that that song you know, single-handedly took Kenny down that route. And uh, that's great. You know, and and um, there's no jealousy there. It's just really it's just really flattering, you know. Uh, and those, those were his own words, you know, in an interview he did. So you asked him about that song, and and that, that's how it came about. It was, it was really a chance to be bold. And, uh, you know, one of the things, too, you know, I, I've always been a family guy, and, and – you know, love my children, and and a lot of the kids that listened to that song, you know, their mom didn't want them to say bad words, but all the kids could say "kick you in the butt," and you know, and so they loved it. <laughs> you know? And so to this day, you know, I have a grown up come up to me, you know, that's twenty one or two years old, and go, "Man, you know, when that song came out, that was 
that was the kick in the butt song. We could always say it. <laughs> and it just it makes me laugh, you know, just, just little things like that. I had no idea that that's where Kenny got the idea from him. He's made not only a career on that, but an entire lifestyle brand, No Shoes Nation. And he and he's gone and taken it to the next stratosphere. That's that's pretty cool. Another thing last time we talked, Clay, uh, it was September of last year, and your album Texas to Tennessee had just come out. Now it's been out for over a year. You've gotten some hit singles off of it. What's it been like promoting this new album and seeing the success you've gotten from it? it it's been a, a great ride. You know, I, I wrote all the songs on the on the album, and, and uh, every one of them is from my personal experience. And, uh, and that's been, you know, there's sometimes, you know, you, you, you craft songs. Well, you craft all of them, but, but sometimes there's a little more craft than there is experience in them. And, and uh, that can happen if you're just on the road constantly. Uh, but having COVID, you know, happen was a blessing because I was able to to have all that time off and write these songs. And, and uh, you know, each one of them has a very special memory in it to me. But probably my favorite on there or favorite two songs on the album are Catching Up With An Old Memory, which is our new single, which is Climbing The Charts. Yep. and. And uh, I just want to hold you. You know, the, those two songs really uh, uh, get me every time I listen to them. But all the songs, you know, are personal experience of my own on there. And we love catching up with an old memory. We've been playing it quite a bit. And I remember you telling me that it uh, it invokes memories of Keith Whitley a little bit. Yeah, there was a Keith Whitley song called uh, Between an Old Memory and Me. And, uh, it, you know, I, you know it's, whenever I listen to music around my house, you know, the, that's the kind of stuff I listen to and, you know, and always loved with still, gosh, I hear that voice and it's like, you know, he died way too soon. And I was just a teenager and I think 18 or 19 when he died and, uh, 18, I think. And I was just, I'm so sad, you know, that I never got to hear him, you know, never got to go to one of his concerts. Um, and when I hear his voice, it's just like, I don't know who I like better, him or him or Merle Haggard. You know, it's just just a flip a coin. But his songs, that that song in particular, you know, between an old memory and me, is uh, so well written and so well sang. And so when I got to this uh, catching up with an old memory, it it just there was this nostalgic vibe to the song. It's just the way it was going as, as I was writing it, and and uh, uh, you know that, that that title just hit me, and I like. Because that's actually what I was doing. I was sitting there catching up with an old memory, catching up with Keith Whitley. <laughs> you, know? you know, when we talked about Keith last time, but I don't know if I asked you if you have a favorite song of his. Mine, I'd, I'd have to say either I'm over you or I'm no stranger to the rain. But how about you? Man, and that that's hard because it's between, it's between two of them. And I don't know that everyone knows the second one, but Miami, Miami is... is is uh you know like to me if i'm a just a go-to song for keith it's always that one mm -hmm. but man he he did his version of uh of the of the george Strait song we know about george Strait song but it's called uh nobody in his right mind would have left her yeah keith whitley's version of that will blow your mind so you know it's it's between those two but probably miami miami Miami, Miami's great. Love that song, but I'm really glad you brought up Nobody in His Right Mind Would Have Left Her. 
If you've not heard that version, listen to it. It's hard to outdo George Strait, but he might have just done it. Yeah, and he, and he sang it so differently. Yeah. You know, it, it, it it's just, uh, golly, you know, you can't. And George is, you know, obviously, you know, one of the greatest singers ever, too. So, no, no uh, I'm not making it a competition there. Right. I love George Strait. Right. But, but that's, uh, you asked me what my Keith Whitley songs were, but those two, yeah, they do it. You also talked a lot about how Merle uh, inspired your writing throughout your career. Um, was there a specific Merle Haggard song that kind of made you fall in love with him? Yeah, Merle's voice. Um, you know, he, and I mean this in, in two ways. Technically, there's not a better singer that ever lived than Merle Haggard. But even he has, he, he not only does he have the technical piece, he has that emotion piece, you know, that comes from right down in your heart. You know, Merle is Merle's the greatest, you know, of all time. And and people have said that, you know, through the years. And uh, now that he's now that he's passed on, um, and no longer here, I, I I think it's even more true. You know, you, you, it's kind of hard to talk about a guy so much when he's alive, but even after he's he's gone, it's like, man, there there's just. There's not a voice out there that even comes close to touching it. You know, I love George Strait, and, and I promise you, you know, George Strait, Merle is, has always been his favorite as well. And he would he would sit at a table and tell you that he, he can't touch Merle. And so it's uh, it's it's really knowing, you know, as a singer, you know how how much talent was in that one one man is just crazy. And the songwriting, you know, is was was equal to his singing, which is, which is odd. You know I mean? You know, you would look at somebody like, you know, like a Bob Dylan and go, okay, this is one of the greatest songwriters that ever lived. And he is, you know, uh, you know, and he has a very cool voice, but I don't think people are going to say, you know, that Bob Dylan is, you know, a better singer than he is songwriter. Right. With Merle, it's like, you, you just don't know. I mean, it's, it's that equal, you know, and, uh, and uh, I, w- I would say uh, uh, my favorite memory, you know, uh, I go with those those memory songs again. <laughs> uh, but uh, my favorite memory is, is is a you know a staple a classic uh, for me. Uh, but I, you know, I, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to this beer joint um, called the Nineteenth Hole there in Beaumont, Texas, and. And there wouldn't be anybody there in the day, daytime hardly, you know, but it was open and we'd go in and and uh, he'd give me a handful of quarters. And, I mean, I was young, I mean, like six or seven or eight, and I'd walk over to the jukebox and uh, I'd play, uh, you know, uh, Stay Here and Drink. And uh, that song, to this day, I'll do it in concert. And I love doing that song, you know. But Merle just had, he had swag. You know, he he had serious swag. <laughs> so it's hard to choose my favorite of his. I mean, I, I, there's there's ten songs that I could that I could fight fight over. You know, for first place with Merle. You know, another guy who I'd put in that category. You can tell modeled himself after Merle and has covered a lot of his hits. Is actually from your generation. He broke in a few years before you did. And that's Alan Jackson. And one of the links that you have to him, other than just being two of the prominent figures of the '90s is that he actually wrote one of your biggest hits. Your fourth number one 
if I could make a living. I was kicking myself for not asking you about this last time. How did that come to be? Yeah, you know, that that was kind of a, of a uh, I laugh about it, and, and I mean this tongue in cheek. You know that I'm, I'm I'm joking when I say this, but it's like you know sometimes a woman will have a, like a dress that she loves, you know, and then she's had it for a year or two, and she she's worn it enough that she's going to give it away, and then she gives the dress away, and she sees somebody else wearing it, you know, <laughs> does she think to herself, I shouldn't have given her that dress, <laughs> you know, or whatever, and so. I wonder a lot, you know. Alan wrote uh, wrote the song, and, and uh, it, was, it was, you know, I had I had just got done touring with him, and he, he gave it to James Stroud to give to me. And so James, you know, that's the way we used to, that's the way it still works. You know, producers get try to find songs for their for their singers, and uh, if they don't, if you know, in fact, I'm not writing them, you know, uh, and I do write most of them, but just getting, so I got. This song had Alan Jackson singing it, and I looked over at James. And I said, "James, I said, that's Alan Jackson." He goes, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "Well, it sounds like it's already hit. Is it on his album?" He said, "No." He wanted you to have it. I said, "You're kidding." He goes, "No." He goes, "He, he wants you to have the song." So I said, "That's unreal." I said, "That's a monster song, like a monster, monster song." And James said, "I know." I said, "Okay, well, let's record it." And, we recorded it, and it became the title cut to the new album. And, and uh, so the album was called If I Can Make a Living. And that song, you know, to this day, I mean, when we do that song, it's like nobody's going to sit down when we play that song. <laughs> yeah. It's great timing, too, because, you know, the first album was so successful, three big number ones off of it, and then you need something big to come off of the second album, and that one just kind of falls in your lap. That, that is amazing. Yeah, we released that one. We were number one, and we released... Uh, uh, this woman, this man, they went number one. I mean, so we 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 had a really a really good run there. And uh, you know, if I can make a living, still, I mean, when we do those, you know, it, it's just you know, there's no words for it. You got to be there in the concert, and, and people are just screaming and going crazy, and they're singing every word of it. You know, they're singing every single word to that song, uh, and uh, it's a it's a great feeling. I love those stories of those songs that could have been someone else's and, and for whatever reason they, they go to somebody else. Um, do you have any other songs that were like that, that were maybe near misses for somebody else? Or did you maybe miss out on one that ended up on somebody else's album or anything like that? You know, this is that's a good question. And, you know, I've, I've, there's one song. And so, and, and I'm proud of this fact. I mean, most singers you know, that have, have been around, you know, that have had hits like I've had, they get pitched, you know, a lot of big songs that they pass on. I've never had that happen except one time. Hmm. And uh, it was a guy that was on my record label, and and uh, the demo that I had was just a guitar and a vocal. And um, the demo was not that great, Um uh, and uh, in other words, the person that wrote it demoed it, and, and the, 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 the demo was not all that great to my to my defense. But the, there was another act, and a pretty big act now, um, that had a, that wanted the song. And uh, James had called me and said, you know, so so wants the song if you don't if you don't want it, and. Um, and I was like, man, I, I I don't know what to do here. You know, I said I I, I don't want 
hold up the writer or hold up the song or hold up the, the, the singer, you know. So I said, let, let him have it. And so it was Austin uh, from Blake Shelton. Oh. And, uh, and so he actually, on YouTube, you know, he's, he's such a smart ass, and people don't know this, you know, in, in a funny way. You know, <laughs> well, they do know it now because yeah. but he's he, he really is that way. But he, he actually uh, said on YouTube at a big radio CRS, you know, all the big guys ran for CRS. And he's, and this is just, this is, I think, you know, 20, 2020 or 2019. He goes, I want to thank Clay Walker for this song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you back. <laughs> he just waited. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> but that's the only, that's the only time that that's ever happened to me. And, uh, and I, and you know what? That's kind of sad. That means that I haven't been getting the best stuff pitched to me. <laughs> so I've had to write them all. <laughs> If I take two things out of this interview, Clay, it's going to be that two of the biggest stars in country music can trace their start right back to you, Blake Shelton and Kenny Chesney. At least Kenny's turn <laughs> in his career can be traced back to you. That's pretty cool. Well, that's sweet. You know, um, yeah, Blake, Blake will love hearing that. <laughs> Well, and then going the other way with it, you know, Ty Herndon came on the show a while back and was telling me about how he was going to do Hypnotize the Moon. His producer, Doug Johnson, had put a hold on it for him or something like that, but he ended up passing on it and it went to you. So it kind of goes both ways. Hypnotize the Moon, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot like uh, the first time I heard uh, this woman, this man, you know, I, I knew that, that it was, it was going to be a song for me. And, uh, um, and it's kind of funny, you know, because the, the industry is so small, you know, are very tight niched. And, uh, and actually, you know, um, uh, Doug Johnson, uh, who's had a lot of, a lot, who's produced a lot of hit records for people, he's a producer. He had had that song and he passed on it for his artists and uh, I got it. And man, the first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, and then that ended up being the title cut to our third album. And uh, you know, I, I just love that song so much. It, it's very, very special. The chord progression in it, uh, the words, the lyrics, and the video. You know, the video was really cool. It was one, it was one of those, one of those videos that that I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed doing. And I hate doing videos just because they're they're grueling. You know, they're they're all day. 18 to 20 hour events and you know when you're done shooting a video you, you don't ever want to see a camera again <laughs> it, it really is hard it really is just hard uh but uh that one i, I enjoyed i enjoyed the outcome of it so yeah that song very very special still and and uh you know sometimes we'll do it in the show sometimes we don't you know so i'd like to know what people think they want to do it in the show let us know well then i heard you mention this woman and this man your vocal on that is incredible. And I've gotten to see it live twice in the past year, Owensboro and then Marion. Both times, the live vocal just blew it out of the water. Like, you still got it. Is that something that you work on or just natural, God-given talent? No, I work on it every day. And you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's your, your, your vocal cords are, are muscles, you know, just like any other muscle. You, you got you to gotta exercise them and... And treat them right, and uh, you know I've been. Uh, I, I watched Merle Haggard. I think Merle Haggard inspired me there. I, I, I saw him, you know, 
in his 60s, you know, singing as good as he did, you know, when he was when he was young, and it really shocked me. You know, I, I was I was shocked, and uh, but he he knew how to treat his vocal, and that was you know he didn't abuse it with uh, you know didn't talk a lot. You know, he, he uh, uh, used good control, and I mean, not people don't want to hear this kind of stuff, but it's 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 learning how to let some of the sound resonate through your nose and some of the sound resonate through your mouth, and and it's a blend of those two things. And you know, if you think about Willie Nelson, you know, most of his sound you hear resonate through his nose. That's why he sounds like Willie, yeah. right? Yeah, and. Merle sounds like Merle because he blended those two things better than anybody else. You know, we as singers, that that seriously, that's what we have. We got our nose and our mouth to sing through, and it's how you blend those two things together that determines what the sound is going to be. And uh, Merle was the greatest at it. Now, if you're just joining us for the second time in the Honky Tonk Time Machine, Clay Walker is our guest, and. Clay, I want to talk about a few more songs that we didn't get a chance to touch on too much the first time around. And another one of the big ones would have been your debut single, What's It To You? Right out of the gate, your first number one hit. What do you remember about recording What's It To You? I remember everything about it like it was yesterday. But we had recorded, I'm trying to remember the first album had 10 or 11 songs on it. I think it was 11. Uh, but we had recorded, 10, I think, 10 songs and... And I'd I'd written most of those songs on the first album, and uh, James Stroud was producing that record, and James was so hot at that moment. You know, he was, he was producing Clint Black. Uh, he had already had Charlie Daniels and Little Texas, and some this is Kenny Rogers and some other acts, and, and uh, but Clint Black was really really hot at the moment, and then James discovered me down at this this bar in, in Beaumont. Texas and, and uh, you know, he went going up there and, and it was my first time to ever get in the studio. And when we got done with the 10 songs, I just looked at James and I said, there's something missing. And he goes, like what? What do you think's missing? I said, man, just a big up tempo, you know, that's just got, that just, just screams out, you know? And, and he was sitting there this is the craziest thing. This is why I remember it so well. He was sitting behind the the, the soundboard, the console. We're sitting there together. And he goes, oh, I got it. And he jumps up, and he was barefooted. He's wearing jeans, he's barefoot. <laughs> and he literally runs across the road from the studio. He's running across the road barefoot. I'm looking at him like, a, like I, this is my first time ever. You know, I don't, I'm thinking, is this guy lost his mind? Is he crazy? What's he doing? You know, he's completely barefoot, running across the road you know, dodging cars, goes across the road to the record label and publishing company, comes back out, comes back over, and he's got this, uh, he's got this cassette. And uh, he says, man, he goes, these guys just finished this song today. He goes, they're waiting on this song. And it was uh, Curtis Wright and Robert Ellis Oral. It was those two guys. They were on fire, songwriters like them. And he played What's It To You for me, and I almost jumped a double backflip. <laughs> I said, that is it. That is it. <laughs> I was like, you're right. You got it. I mean, it's so, so people don't know this, but 
the the, the first song I ever recorded for that album, I, I flew to L.A. and and we recorded "Dreaming with My Eyes Open." That was supposed to be my first single. Yeah. And so, what's it to you? When I recorded that, I looked at James and I said, "There is no way." I said, "Dreaming with My Eyes Open is going to be huge." I said, "But what's it to you?" Got it. And it was, believe it or not, "Dreaming with My Eyes Open" was the most played song of the year when it came out on radio. I believe it because that's something we actually did talk about was the fact that you recorded Dreaming With My Eyes Open for the movie starring River Phoenix, a thing called Love, but then decided to go with What's It To You as your first release, but I didn't know why until now. So it makes sense. Yeah, and, and that one came, and then Dreaming With My Eyes Open came out fourth, yeah. you know, but all those number ones in a row was pretty cool to have. And What's It To You just set the world on fire. When that song came out, it was it was the second most added record in country music history. So it, it was a, uh, it was it was the right move, and but man, you just you just know it in your bones whenever you have one like that. And sometimes you can have a big hit, and you and you just think it's pretty good, you know. You don't you don't know how good it is, but that that one we kind of knew from from the gate every from the time we recorded it. And the, the last thing I wanted to talk about before I let you go, we didn't get to get into this last time, and I was kind of kicking myself. Um, I know you were you were diagnosed with MS back in 1996, and then from that. You've been able to do some great charitable work that has just uh, really gone leaps and bounds into uh, helping people who have also been diagnosed. In fact, you founded Band Against MS in 2003 and just have done some great work. I wanted to talk about how that affected your career and and uh, what you've been able to accomplish since then. You know, that's probably, you know, that was, was going to be, you know, the big unknown, you know, when I first got diagnosed, I, we didn't, seriously, we had no idea what was going to happen. There were, there were so many things being talked about, about MS. And it was so all over the map that, that it, it's what inspired me. You know, that uncertainty is what inspired me to start a foundation. And, you know, I'd like to think that we've done some, some good work, you know, in helping people, uh, you know, not be so scared of MS and have, have more assurance that there are things you can do for it. And, and that's where we are. We're, that's where we are. We've been able to achieve that. And we've been able to get our hands on people and uh, get, get our arms around them to hug them and just look at them and say, hey, you're going to be all right. And that's what it is. You know, it, it's a wonderful day, you know, for MS. Uh, it's not, we don't have a cure, but we've got some things that help. And uh, that's, a, that, that's a long way from where we were when I was diagnosed. And, and you know, moving forward, we, we're going to keep, you know, keep, keep striving for that. 26 years since that diagnosis, still going strong. If uh, any of our listeners missed the chance to see you in Marion on July the 8th, you'll be in Hannibal July 23rd. Make a little trip to the barbecue festival. And September 23rd, you'll be in Effingham, Illinois. So those are the next couple of chances to get to see Clay Walker live in concert. And Clay, as fun as it's been touring with Tracy Lawrence, I'm sure you're excited to have a full set of your own songs to play when you when you finish out your 2022 tour. Well, you know, I, I can't say, you know, that I wouldn't like to do my own show more. You know, I think it's the same way for Tracy, you know, even though we enjoyed being together and, and having that energy, you know, for the fans. Uh, I, I, I think both of us, you know, we'd rather do, you know, a complete show on our own. And that that's just the truth. You know, that's not taking anything away from what we've been talking about. But but I'm I'm uh, just, you 
you know, I, I want to I want to do more of my own hits, and I'm sure he does too because we both have a we both have a bunch. And that's the thing we laughed about is we did a two hour and forty five minute show, and we probably left twenty hits off the show. <laughs> between the two of us, you know, 10 each. Yeah, that's a nice problem to have, and another good reason to have you on this show for the second time. All the songs we didn't get to the first time, we can play them this time around. Clay, anything you want to say to your fans who are listening in Southeast Missouri, Southern Illinois, Western Kentucky, before we let you go? No, man, I just appreciate the, the interview and, and, and also the you know, the, the support, you know, to, to, you know, people, people want to keep country music alive. They got to go out to shows and, and keep, keep supporting the artists. That's how you keep it alive. And, you know, like my dad said, no more free music. You, you gotta, you gotta pay the bills and you gotta, you gotta keep going down the road. So when people come out, they allow us to do that. So come out and see us. He's a class act, one hell of an entertainer, and now proud to say two-time member of the Honky Tonk Time Machine, Clay Walker. Thanks again, Clay. Well, thank you, Glenn. God bless.